Welcome back, everybody, to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Um, Andrew Ivins joined, as always, by David Lake. We're officially at the halfway point of Miami's season, six games down, six to go, hopefully um, maybe even two more if they make the ACC title game, uh, <laughs> but at least two more to go. Uh, Hurricanes coming off a big win last week over then number 20 ranked Virginia. We did that instant recap pod, kind of broke that down. Now we're going to shift gears towards Georgia Tech. Uh, Hurricanes host the Yellow Jackets Saturday. That will be a game that played uh, that is played at noon. Uh, Miami, a 20-point favorite. Um, David, I guess the biggest storyline kind of headed into this game, I, I don't even know if it's a storyline, but Manny Diaz announced on Wednesday that Nikosi Perry will be the starting quarterback. Um, your initial reaction, yay or nay? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the right thing to do. Uh, I think it's pretty much what every Miami fan kind of wants to see. I think we're all interested in seeing uh, – how Nikosi handles this week. I think if Nikosi comes out and has a productive day and limits the turnovers, I think there's a strong chance that he is the starter moving forward. Because as we've talked about before, he he brings some elements to the offense that they need with, with his mobility behind a poor offensive line. His big play, his big arm uh, has the ability to unlock some of the deep passing games. So this is a huge game for Nikosi in my mind, um, and, and I think Manny Diaz is going to be watching closely too to see how he how he handles this week. Um, because yeah, I mean, look against Virginia, he did what he needed to do. He executed the game plan. Was it super productive? No, um, but I think he did what they asked of him. And this week will be an opportunity for him to open things up, so to speak, against a less talented defense. And we'll see how he does with that. All right. So let's take a step back here. Obviously, Jaron Williams was Miami's starting quarterback uh, at the beginning half of the season. Nikosi Perry took over for him in that Virginia Tech game, got the start against Virginia, um, played I would say decent. Uh, you know, the offense struggled at times against what I would describe as a very good UVA uh, defense, probably the, the second best defense they're going to see all season behind Florida. And now with Jaron still, quote unquote, not 100%, Manny's going to roll Nikosi out there. Do you think that Manny, oh, I guess I got two questions for you. Is, is he playing this the right way? Um, just still saying that it's it's Jaron's team. And the, the second question of that is like, why is he announcing this? on on Wednesday why doesn't he just wait until right before the game I feel like he's kind of given away kind of that competitive edge well I think to answer your second question I think Manny believes in the team rallying around their starting quarterback and if you want to read into that I think what he's getting at with that is looking back to last year uh, there was a lot of uncertainty at quarterback with bouncing back and forth between Malik Rozier and Nikosi Perry. And I think you can tell that Manny thinks that uh, uncertainty kind of affected the team last year. So this is how he's addressing that. Uh, but yes, the flip side to that is, is maybe you help the other team knowing what to prepare for. Um, but, you know, overall, I kind of do like the team rallying around the quarterback, I guess. Uh, and then the first question, yeah, I mean, look, I think, honestly, I think they are handling it fine for now because I do think they're trying to figure out just how hurt Jaron Williams' shoulder is. I, I think it's a situation where it's not a clear-cut situation where he might need surgery. I think I think his his shoulder is hurt and it's it's a situation where he might be able to play through it. Um, but is it worth it? Is it worth doing that? And is it worth doing that when you have a capable backup like Nikosi Perry? So I think that's something that's still the coaching staff is trying to answer and, and deal with. And I think too that's something Jaron Williams is trying to figure out. Uh, just how much can he push it with that shoulder um, and, and kind of what to do with that moving forward. So, yes, I do think for now it's fine the way he's handling it. 
Now, if Nikosi comes out and balls out Saturday, this quarterback controversy is going to get ramped up to another level. And then I think uh, Manny Diaz is going to have to pick a guy, like cut bait with Jaron and just say, yeah, Nikosi's our guy because he has a hot hand. But until that happens, I, I think Manny is is handling it okay. Yeah, I that's kind of leads me into the next, not question I had for you, but just kind of talking point here. Let's say um, Nikosi does go out against this Georgia Tech team, which really isn't that strong of a Georgia Tech squad. He, he has another solid day, throws a couple touchdowns, may, maybe has a pick, but regardless, the offense moves the ball. Um, what happens moving forward? I mean, how do you, you, you got to kind of just ride the hot hand, right? I mean, we've seen teams so. do this before in the past i mean yeah i mean maybe that's you know you're probably gonna you know not offend jaron williams but i mean don't you kind of just gotta do what's best for the team yes i think so and look the next game after this georgia tech game is a game on the road against pittsburgh so is it fair even to jaron to throw him out there in that situation i don't know i mean obviously jaron would want to play if if he's able and ready to go but is that fair to the team um yeah, I think, look, if Nikosi goes out this week against Georgia Tech and, and has another solid to good performance, I think you just got to keep rolling with him. Um, okay, so let's kind of go over what we're going to do on this podcast. We hit on the, the big news item, if you want to call it that. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of recruiting later on in this podcast. I'm going to do some question and answers from what we got from our VIP subscribers. Before we get into that, though, for those uh, folks that are listening, just uh, kind of getting ready for your Saturday. We are going to talk briefly about Georgia Tech. Um, I mentioned Georgia Tech's not really a, that formidable of an opponent. Um, they've lost in overtime to a Citadel team that's 3-4 and four this season. Uh, they've lost to Temple, North Carolina, and Duke, and the only win was over a USF squad that's 3-3. Uh, three and three. So, number one, um, what do we need to know about here, uh, about Georgia Tech, besides the fact that they don't run that triple option offense anymore? Right, so they are transitioning from that triple offense, tr- triple option offense, to a more conventional spread type offense. They do still throw in some some option principles with with a speed option look at times. Um, they've been juggling quarterbacks through these first five or six games, and it it seems like they've settled on James Graham, who is a redshirt freshman who's an athletic guy. Uh, he is a guy who is dangerous as a scrambler. So that's something that Miami will need to address. Uh, you know, when you look back at the Virginia Tech game with Hendon Hooker and his ability to run as a dual threat, I'm interested to see how Miami handles that this week in terms of like QB spy game on third down and long in particular, because Graham is not as big as Hendon Hooker, but he's probably more athletic. He's, he's, his, ability to accelerate is better than Hendon Hooker's is. And he's, well, let me, he, go ahead. Let me cut in here. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, it's funny you, you or keep talking Hendon Hooker because I, if I was like, if we were going to compare him to one quarterback, kind of Miami's played thus far, Hendon Hooker was absolutely the comparison. Like he's a, he's not a yeah. run first guy, but I think he definitely, if, if that first read's not there, he's going to take off. And I was looking it up uh, earlier this week. He was actually, he wasn't even graded out by 24-7 sports as a quarterback coming out of high school. They had him listed as an athlete. So I think most yeah. schools were, were thinking another position. So he he's, is someone that's going to move the chains with his legs. He's very athletic. He is the most athletic quarterback they've faced so far this year. Um, and yeah, look, passing-wise, he's a guy that he's not the most efficient guy. He's not the most accurate guy. But he will chuck it deep. And he throws a fairly nice fade ball along the sidelines, to be honest. So... Georgia Tech's offense in a nutshell is, you know, the quarterback creating stuff, scrambling. He will chuck the ball deep. They throw the ball at deep as much as anyone in the ACC, to be honest. Um, so that's something Miami's going to have to defend. Their running back, Jordan Mason, is one of the better running backs in the conference. He's more of a power guy. He runs with, with good balance, not tremendous speed, but good enough and good power. So he's a guy that Miami's going to have to wrap up on. I think their offensive line is a unit that has really struggled as they transition because, I mean, look, when you're doing the triple option, all you got to focus on is run blocking, cut blocking, those kind of things. And now they're being asked to uh, pass protect more. 
And so they are just simply uncomfortable doing that. And they allow a lot of sacks. Not not as many sacks as Miami's allowed this year, but they are very close. So that's a well, situation that Miami needs to take advantage of this week too. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a, another point for you. Pro Football Focus has them graded out as the worst pass-blocking team in Power 5 football. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. I Like, they have them as a grade of 24. The second worst team is like 44. So that's like Zion Nelson bad. Only worst yeah. team in FBS is is Army. But it's like you said, they're transitioning. So I do think Miami's front seven isn't going to have a chance to to not tee off, but, but make some plays in that backfield, assuming that they can kind of wrap um, Graham up. Yeah, third and long, they got to... They got to create third and long situations. And another thing Georgia Tech does is, so another comparison to Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech did a lot of motioning, misdirection, passing type stuff to the tight ends. Uh, Georgia Tech doesn't really have tight ends, but they they do that a lot with running backs. So they'll, they'll motion running backs and make a defense look one way, and then Georgia Tech will throw the ball to the other side of the field to an open running back. So that's something too that, you know, when you look back to the Virginia Tech game, Miami's gonna have to clean up this week against Georgia Tech. Flipping to the defensive side, um, you know, they do they play a lot of man coverage, which I think is is gonna be a good thing for Miami. Um, you know, that means some some deep passes will probably be there and crossing routes should be there a lot of the game this week. So I would expect Miami's passing game to come alive, assuming the offensive line can can block things up halfway decent. Um, and then, you know, their running game, their run defense uh, game has been very poor this year. I think they're 127th in the country in run defense. They allow like 237 yards per game on the ground. So, yeah, I mean, I think should be a good game for DJ Dallas. Should be a fairly productive game for Nikosi Perry. One thing to watch, too, with DJ Dallas is Georgia Tech has been susceptible to the screen game. So I would look for some running back screens to DJ Dallas to, to pop for some nice gains. So, you know, overall, this, this Georgia Tech team is regarded as the worst in the ACC. They are still a, a Power 5 team, so they do have some talent. But overall, Miami should should be fairly comfortable, I think, on Saturday. And if not, then yeah, <laughs> more, well, more we, reasons for concern. We kind of like said this whole thing before the Central Michigan game. We all know know how that went. Um, right. So I guess before we get into this recruiting stuff, I guess what what do you want to see on Saturday? Like, what is your not like storylines, but like what do you what do you want to know, or what do you want to see out of Miami, or what questions right. you want answered? Um, in, in this, so I'll be watching high- two things in particular. I want to see DJ Dallas get going. Uh, you know, he's he's made some plays these last couple of weeks. He made that big play against Virginia Tech, but his overall numbers haven't been great. I think this is a game for Miami to feed DJ Dallas in terms of volume with his carries. And I think, too, this is a game where he should be very productive. So I want to see that. And then on the other side, you know, I alluded to it, but I want to see what, what Miami's plan is for containing a real running threat at quarterback because to me that's what Georgia Tech's offense comes down to. I think whether it's Shaq Quarterman or Mike Pinkney, they need to have a QB spy game plan. And so I'm curious to see what that is. And, you know, when you look forward, this is getting way out ahead of ourselves, but like that type of game plan is going to be important when Miami plays like a Duke because their quarterback is another guy who's a tremendous runner. So you know, we've seen Miami not do great against quarterbacks that can run. I mean, against Bryce Perkins, they did better. Uh, he still kind of did his thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to see how Miami improves in, in, in that way. All right. Well, I got I wrote down two things that are like complete opposite. All right. And they're probably like little weird things, but it's two questions I, I want to know. Number one, I want to know if Jafari Harvey plays. I think right now he's at he's at four games. Um, yeah. so he can't play again or appear again, or, or they're going to redshirt him. So assuming Miami handles business like we think they should, I mean, that's a big, you know, question mark. Um, is he a guy who gets in the game if they start emptying out that bench 
bench. I mean, is he someone they think is going to try to get into the rotation at the tail end of the season? Uh, even though they went nine deep last week, or Manny keeps saying that, that they went nine deep against Virginia on the defensive line, or are they someone they're going to try to try to redshirt and save? I also want to know what happens at place kicker. Um, Camden Price is coming back, who was suspended for an unknown reason for the past two games. We all know the story about Turner Davidson, uh, the five five four or what is he like five six hundred forty pound walk on out of San Antonio, <laughs> who kicked against uh, who made who made two extra points and a nineteen yard field goal against Virginia. Obviously, Bubba Baxter's in the mix as well. So Manny didn't c- come out and say either one of those three is going to kick. Um, I think what he say like all three of them made a kick in, in Wednesday's practice and all three of them missed uh, a, a kick in that practice. So it's going to come down to pregame warmups. I just want to see if someone like steps up and if like you know what happens if if they get to a situation where it's like a 40 yard field goal i think it's a 40 yard field goal and it's a it's a a fourth and long and they don't want to go for it i mean are they going to try camden price i think that's just something that i'm going to be monitoring just just knowing that these games are going to be tight down the stretch and i just want to know if they have figured out this this kicking thing if you were to guess who would you guess they roll out at kicker i'm gonna go with camden price um that's what i would guess too the same person that told me that Turner Davidson was going to kick also made it seem like this is Cannon Price's job when he came back. So that's yeah. that's who I'm going with. I would expect them to, to give Camden Price his shot this week, and we'll see how he does with it. Just because I think Camden Price has way more of a leg than Turner Davidson. Like, nothing against Turner. I think he's an accurate kicker, and for, like, a third-string walk-on kicker, like, he, you know, is going to live in the glory days and, and go down in Kane lore, at least for a little bit. But, like, Camden's more of a... Bigger leg, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's just better, to be honest. Right. So should be better, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, look in these ACC games that those three points are going to be crucial moving forward this second half of the season. All right, you ready to talk recruiting? Let's do it. Okay. So yeah, I guess let's start. We haven't talked since uh, Justin Hodge's decommitment. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I know you've you've written about it plenty on the site, but. Um, just what are your takeaways from that situation overall? Is Miami going to still be involved there? Are they moving on? And, you know, what does that mean overall for the cornerback uh, recruiting board? So let's rewind to this past weekend. Um, Justin Hodges did announce on Sunday that he was decommitting for Miami. I think it was a bit surprising. It caught me as a surprise. Um, the people close to the program I talk with, they were a little surprised by it as well. I know... Some people out there have tried to push the narrative that Miami dropped Justin Hodges. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, actually, I know that's not the case. I'm not saying that Miami wouldn't have eventually parted ways with Justin Hodges, but like, it's not like there was some call made on Saturday or, or Sunday morning and they said, hey, you don't have a spot anymore, and he decided to open it back up. I think this is more of him realizing what Miami has on the roster, kind of realizing what type of prospect he is, and then just kind of taking a step back and, and, and seeing what's out there. So I don't expect Miami to go back after him. I mean, he was the lowest ranked commit in the class, according to the 24-7 sports composite. Um, when I saw him play, I think in August in a preseason scrimmage, he, he had a fumble uh, and an interception. Like he's a guy who makes makes plays in pads, but at the end of the day, he ran a 4.89 in the 40-yard dash on the lasers. And I just, I don't know. I, I'll say this. Uh, back in the spring, there was multiple Power Five assistant coaches that that were kind of came up to me and were surprised that Miami took the kid. And then once he decommitted, um, I got more messages from Power Five assistants at other schools going, "Oh, well, that makes sense that they they finally dropped him." So I don't think it's a big loss. Uh, I I think Miami will find a better player to take his his spot in this class. If that if if you kind of catch my drift, big big picture wise, like. What does this say about Miami's recruiting state of recruiting? So is this like was this Miami's fault or does it just speak to how wacky recruiting can be in South Florida? I think it's the second one. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know Miami's what is it like 14 D commitments now um, for the 2020 class. I know Jaden Francois, but like. To me, this is just a unique situation. Like, I'm not trying to defend Miami staff or anything like that. Like, I don't think, <clears throat> excuse me, like if Miami was 6-0, and I think maybe Justin Hodges still kind of like decommits. I don't think this was okay. 
based on what Manny has said about his rules or anything like that. I just, I don't know, man. It's 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 South Florida down here, and like kids do weird things. And then, did you say like, is there a school that is thought of as being the school that's the team to beat for him now? So the one school I heard multiple times was kind of like UCF. Um, and then outside of that, I don't know. Uh, I, I think okay. John Garcia, who works in the uh, for for the twenty four seven Sports Network, I think he interviewed him and he mentioned all these schools that are kind of kicking the tires on him. And I don't know. I just I don't think he's going to go a place better than Miami. Like I think he's going to regret kind of losing his spot, if that makes sense. Okay. And so yeah, I guess there was more DB news. I guess local DB news. So Jalen Harrell, who is a corner slash safety depending on, you know, which school's looking at him, I guess, uh, decommitted from his Florida State commitment. And, you know, I guess Miami's been hanging around there. Andrew, tell us more about that situation with Jalen Harrell. So let's kind of, I just want to put this out there. I mean, the early signing period is now just under two months away. So uh, I know we're in the heart of the season, but that is rapidly approaching. And I think a lot of people... Still kind of the casual fan operate under um, the presumption that all the recruiting still happens in, in, in January and February. But remember, our timelines are now moved up. So I think I tweeted it out um, over the past like week. There's been 13 decommitments at the Power 5 level. So I think we're finally getting to that time where kids are op- – we're going to see more kids open things back up. We're going to see right. more co- coaches at other schools. Um, this is something we would nor- probably, normally probably see in December, but now it's happening earlier just because that timeline has been pushed up by the NCAA. So uh, Jalen Harrell, um, he originally started his his high school career at Miami Central. Miami, uh, when I first heard about this kid, they thought he was the best DB for the Rockets, and that's when Henry Gray was in that same secondary. So Miami's been on him for a while. Um, David, you actually have a, a pro Miami crystal ball pick in for him. That's, that's been logged for a while, but uh, <laughs> he was on campus multiple times in the spring. And then I, he went up to Florida state committed. Um, we didn't really hear much from him since I spoke to him at the Miami dolphins high school media day back there in August. And he admitted to me that, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm still kind of hearing from Miami. I don't know if I'm going to visit Miami because Florida state doesn't want their commits taking visits. And then, Next thing you know, his his four-game cut starts making the rounds. Miami sends Ephraim Banda to one of his games during the Hurricanes bye week, and then, bam, he decommits. So based on the people I've talked to around his recruitment, right now it sounds like Miami is in a pretty good spot. I think he's going to be at the Georgia Tech game on Saturday. Uh, I would not be surprised if, if he's a guy that ends up in Miami's class. Not ready to peg him there on the crystal ball yet, but this sounds like he's a guy who's probably going to Look to stay home. And he's a so he committed to Florida State as a corner, right? But Miami likes him as a safety. And and you know, just seeing his body type, he he's definitely more of a safety, right? You would agree with that? Yeah. Here's like cause this has been debated all all week on you know our message board at, at Miami.247sports.com. Look, 24-7 sports has him graded out as a corner. I think since I saw this kid first come onto the scene back at like the South Florida Express tryouts uh, in in last January or whatever it was. I always thought he was a kind of a safety. I mean, he's a long body guy. And the one thing that he does really well is he tackles very well. And if you listen to yeah. Manny Diaz or anyone like that, that's all they preach is they want defensive backs that can tackle. So um, do I think he could play some corner? Sure. I think he's more natural at safety. Uh, I also think he has a frame to potentially grow into a striker. And I know all Miami fans are going to freak out like, oh, you know, why do we move every safety to striker? It's like, well, at the end of the day, Miami's base defense right now has a striker on the field. You lose Romeo Finley at the end of this season. And then the only other striker you have a scholarship striker you have on your roster, unless you move someone there this spring, is Gilbert Frierson. So they have to recruit someone there. And I just think Jalen Harrell's a talented defensive back that you kind of just take and figure out where he's going to be. I mean, I know he's having a very good um, senior season at, at Hylia Champagnat Catholic. So I, I just think when when you see his frame, you watch him tackle on film, it's pretty easy to see why Miami wants him. And who cares if he can't play cornerback? Like You still need a safety in this class after Jaden Francois uh, decommitted. 
Yes, I, and you know, just seeing his body type, I haven't really seen him play much, but I've seen him, you know, during fall camp or spring, I guess. During the spring, he went to some practices, and to me, he looks like, you know, like Miami fans don't want to hear about it, but SEC type of defensive recruit. Like he's a long-armed, kind of a thicker guy, and to me, just body type-wise, he does look more like a safety. You know who he looks like to me if we like lined up Miami safeties and you're like, oh, what, what body type is he? He has like a Bubba Bolden type body. Yes. Maybe even thicker, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if, if if you're trying to picture what he looks like, that's kind of what he is to me. Like he's not like a, a Gervin Hall or Amari right. Carter or like a Brian Balaam or a Keyshawn Washington. Like I see he's like a bigger, a bigger mole, a, a free safety who's who's much larger. Right. So yeah, I guess other recruiting news. Um, big time, big time five star set his Miami official visit. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the nation's number one ranked inside linebacker for this cycle, Justin Flo, um, is tentatively scheduled to take his official visit to Miami um, next month for the Louisville game on November 9th. That is homecoming. It's also shaping up really to be a, a big uh, recruiting weekend for the Hurricanes. That's that's the final home game of the season, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I, I kind of caught whispers about this, but I know I, I've known for a while that they've been trying to invite kids out to this game. I think a couple months ago they probably thought it was going to be an easy win, but Louisville's looking a, a lot better than I think most most of the experts were were predicting under first year head coach Scott Satterfield. But Flo will. Or I should say, you know, he's planning to be uh, in Miami then, um, which is good news. But I think the Hurricanes are fit are fighting, excuse me, a huge uphill battle here. Um, he's got Clemson, Oregon, and Georgia also in his top four. I think he visits Georgia next month, uh, Clemson as well, and Oregon's an official visit. So um, we'll see. I mean, you got to kind of kind of fight if you can. I think if you're Miami. I would have much rather get him on campus one of those two weekends before the early signing period. But, I mean, when you're a five-star like Justin Flo, you kind of dictate what you want to do. So I think if you're Miami, you're just happy he's making that that cross-country flight. Have you said, like, who the team to beat is? It, it's definitely Clemson. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think the crystal ball is pretty, pretty painted in that direction. I mean, look, Clemson pretty much is getting whatever they want right now. Uh, he was there during that that window in late July, you know, when we had that one weekend where kids could visit, um, or, or I'm saying kids could visit anywhere where, where there was a break in the dead period. And I think he spent a few days at Clemson, and the word coming out of that trip was that Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers were in a very good spot. So, you know, best case scenario for Miami, what is it going to take to get a guy like Justin Flo? Oof. Miami's got to win out. <laughs> yeah, I think they would. They would have to to win out or not win. I mean, you know, probably to be honest. Yeah, probably. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's be real. They're they're gonna have to win out, and they're gonna have to sell him on coming in and and playing day one. Now they've gotten him on campus before. Um, it was back in March. I, he spent two days here. He went to that scrimmage at Travis Powell Stadium. He said he loved. The, the environment and, and atmosphere in, in South Florida. I think he's got a good relationship with Stephen Field, who has some West Coast ties. Also, remember, the Hurricanes got his younger brother, Jonathan Flo, who's also another like four-star linebacker recruit in the class of 2021. He was at Paradise Camp. So um, I, I, I would guess Miami's a little bit of a, of a dark horse in this recruitment. It's just, it's really hard to bet against Clemson and and Georgia, right. who's also recruiting at an uh, absurd level right now. So um, the only way I think Miami gets them is, you know, they went out and are playing Clemson in that ACC title game, and then who knows what happens. Right, right. All right, so we asked our VIP subscribers on the message board to ask you some recruiting questions. You ready to do that? Yeah, well, let's first off plug it. I mean, if you guys, you know, I think we're probably going to do this more in the future as we transition into recruiting season so in the future if we do ask for for user questions that'll probably be th through the vip subscriber so if you guys aren't yeah. subscribed yet and you listen to the podcast please subscribe you know i think this is like one of the only times we plug that so just Definitely. so you know that's how we're gonna do yeah that's how we're gonna do it moving forward 
Yeah, sign up. I mean, recruiting season is pretty much here. Like Andrew said, early signing days right around the corner. And Andrew does a great job of answering any questions very quickly on the message board that pop up. So, yeah, these are just some of the questions that the message board posters wanted. So let's jump into it. I guess uh, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. So this is from Huff27. Uh, do you guys honestly think anyone on the defensive staff has the capability to land a recruit like Justin Flo? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. It's I, not. I, a, I do. It's it's not a defensive staff question in my mind. It's more of like a. They're just. It's an uphill battle with who they're competing against and the way the season has gone. Right. Right, and I I think. The guys who are recruiting Justin Flo, um, so that'd be like Blake Baker and Stephen Field, and I, I guess Jonathan Packy. I think he was also out there in the spring evaluation period. I mean, they've never really been in a battle type like this as compared to, I mean, I to Brent Venables is who you're going up against at Clemson. Georgia's got the largest recruiting budget in college football. So um, I, I guess my answer would that would, would be to that to no is no, but. It, like we said, I, I don't even think it's really coming down to the coaches here. It's just where it's the tough. direction and where other these these two, these programs are at. All right, so another one from Huff27. It's kind of similar, but more so on the offensive side, I guess. Does the offensive staff have the ability to land big fish guys like running back Don Chaney, who's a borderline five-star committed, five-star running back committed to this class? Or is Don Chaney a different case because he's more of a low-profile type guy compared to the typical South Florida recruit? This is a good one, I think. Um, and I guess I'll start it off by this. I think Don Chaney would be committed to Miami if Mark Rick's staff was still here. I think he'd be committed to Miami regardless of pretty much any staff that was here. I think um, he's just likes Miami. And he's a very loyal kid. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I mean, he's someone who is at Blinn Jesuit, which is a small prep school in Miami. And, you know, they're not a very good football team. He's he's pretty much it's a pretty much a one man show there. And they've lost a lot of football games and he, he has stuck with it. He's had opportunities to leave and go to other schools. So he's a pretty loyal kid. So um, can Miami's offensive staff land big fish like this on a consistent basis? I don't know yet. Um, you know, I, like I said, I think a lot of the legwork and groundwork was already done for Don Chaney and Eric Hickson and, and the rest of those guys kind of came in. I think the offensive staff has a lot to prove really what is going to happen on the offensive line. I mean, Butch Berry pretty much has missed out on his top couple of targets. Um, Gerald Mincy, the kid at, at Cardinal Gibbons, he, he's going to Florida. Isaiah Walker, the kid at, at Miami Norland, he's, he's going to Florida. So, Still kind of question marks there. Eric Hickson, yeah, Don Chaney's committed, but you, you guys weren't able to get Jalen Knighton. I, I know he was at, the I think, the Virginia Tech game. Dan Enos, he seems to be just kind of focused and, and zeroed in on, on quarterbacks. I like what they got in Tyler Van Dyke, but he did miss out on, on Carson Beck. That was the initial target there. Um, one guy who I, kind, I have a lot of faith in is Taylor Stubblefield. I think he's kind of learning on the fly. And he's, he's getting very, not very aggressive, but I like his approach to recruiting. I think he's very detail-oriented, so um, I'm interested to see how he closes out this cycle. But uh, do is my should we expect this staff to, to pull a bunch of kids? Um, we'll see. I just think Cheney's such a unique situation where um, he just likes Miami a lot. Next question from Guido90. Could you explain, in your opinion, what Miami is seeking with defensive backs? So um, let me ask you, you think this is kind of like what they what they look for big picture? I think it's that. And I think it's also hinting at kind of what you talked about, where there's a perception that uh, Miami recruits corners and moves them to safety or recruits safeties and moves them to striker, that kind of stuff. Well, it's pretty easy if you guys kind of like follow who Miami offers at defensive back, they're looking for guys who, like I said a couple minutes ago, can tackle. They're also looking for guys who are very physical. Like if you can't fly to the ball and make a hit uh, in your defensive back, like Miami's not going to go after you. 
Um, Henry Gray is a kid that they had committed very early on. And then as he started playing more and more football on film that they saw, he kind of shies away from contact. Miami wants the complete opposite of that. Gervin Hall and Amari Carter, those kids coming out of uh, high school, were big hitters. Look, I mean, Carter's the only guy in, in the ACC that's been ejected twice this season for targeting. And like that's a whole other tangent we can go down. But he makes big hits. Gervin Hall makes big hits. So at safety, they're looking for guys that can do that. Look, when Bubba Bolden, uh, when he was finally cleared, what, what did Ephraim Banda tell everyone? He's going to play if he can tackle. So what do they have committed now? Um, they got Brian Balaam. He's a very physical guy. I went and saw him play St. Thomas Aquinas. I said right away, this guy's kind of in the mold of a Amari Carter, um, a Rayshon Jenkins, a, a guy who can make tackles in the alley and, and isn't afraid. So that's what they're looking for at safety. Cornerback's a little bit different. Um, you know, they're not afraid to s- recruit the smaller guys. They, like they have Trajan Bandy. That was this staff. But if you're going to be small, you have to be physical. Look what they have in 2021, Tim Burns. Same thing as Bandy, um, probably below that 6-0 mark, around 5-10, but he's physical, he can hit, and he's also very good in man coverage. So what they're looking for at corner um, is someone that can move, move their hips with some speed, and Mike Rump puts a premium not only on length, but he's also looking for uh, guys that can do stuff with, ball, with the ball in their hand. That's what he kind of told me over the summer. Um, he would prefer any cornerback that he recruits to actually also play offense. He doesn't want the guy to just be specialized uh, on one side of the ball. He wants them to, uh, if they were to get an interception, to, to know what to do with it. They also He also likes guys that are, are very good in the return game. So those are some of the characteristics and, and traits that they're kind of looking for. I mean, um, just follow the offers. I mean, if, if you see these offers, it, it becomes pretty easy to see why they want some kids uh, more than others. Next question from Guido90, I guess, except for defensive back, um, is this class pretty much done at all the other positions? And what are the chances that the class sticks, I guess, as a whole? Loaded question. Um, Yeah, so Miami's like they can only pretty much take 25. I think as of the taping of this podcast, they're at 22. Um, I think they'll probably try to take two more defensive backs maybe a corner and a safety. Um, I would not be surprised if the, the commit list were to be um, tinkered with a little bit. Like I'm not saying that there's going to be decommitments, but there might be some guys that they, they try to part ways with. I mean, I'm not going to speculate and, and throw names out there, but I do think if there is an opportunity where they can upgrade and got, get a guy who they like a little bit more, who's had a better season, senior season, I think that's certainly possible. Um, they need to find uh, a, another offensive tackle. They can't just sign three guys there. So I think we'll probably see them try to add one more offensive lineman to this group. I know they're swinging for the fences with Darnell Washington at tight end. Uh, just like with Justin Flo, he's a bit of a long shot. So um, offensive line, DB, and then wide receiver would be the, the last thing. I think they're going to try to add a, a fourth wide receiver. And then... What is your prediction on the final class ranking? Yeah, so I think he, first off, Guido90, great name. I think he said he thinks it'll be somewhere in that 18 to 25 range, right? Yeah. I think that's probably pretty accurate. Um, I do think Miami has some commits that are probably on the lower side rank. So whenever they go through and redo the... um, the, the rankings and evaluations. I think there's some guys that can move up and maybe move them up in, in the rankings a bit. So I, I would say probably somewhere between 15 and 22. I know that's a big gap, but um, that's kind of where I think like 15 would be maybe best case scenario. Right. What, what about you? I mean, is that, I, I don't do the numbers as much as some people do. Is um, that accurate? Like Jalen Harrell would move them up in the rankings. Would he not? Yes. I mean, I, I honestly expect it to be around 20, so give or take one or two spots, right? So that's kind of what I would expect, somewhere around 20. Right, but I do think, like, Brian Balaam is a guy who's ranked pretty low. Um, yes. Like, yeah. let, me look at, let me look at the rest of the commit list. Like, he's a guy who should be moved up. Um, Romelo Height, like, 24-7 sports is higher than him on... 
than most services. Like I think once most people know about him, like he's someone who should move up. What about um, Darren Branch? What what is the latest with his ranking? Well, you know, Barton Simmons, the director, is he the director of scouting? I, yes. I, he does so many different things these days, like he's on CBS and all this stuff. But remember, he, he came on our message board like before this, like in the spring when Branch committed and said he thought he's a guy who who can move up. And uh, I know Guido90 asked if, if there's anyone to maybe monitor that that could defect from the class. I think Branch is someone to, to watch Oklahoma and Ole Miss, both trying to get him on campus. Distance is a big factor with him. Um, and I think there's some, some family that maybe might want him to stay closer to home. So he's one I'd watch Romello height, who I just mentioned the, the defensive end out of, uh, Dublin, Georgia, you know, he keeps saying he's so, uh, solid and locked in, but he's another out of state kid. So those are, those are two I would, I would watch, but, um, yeah, I think Darren branch is an, uh, someone else who, who should move up in the rankings just based on all of the 2020, uh, defensive backs I've seen over over the past 12 months. <clears throat> so I'm seeing a lot of offensive line questions. So let's <laughs> consolidate it all into one. Just, you know, people want to know, I guess what's going on on the O-line recruiting is, are they contacting any Juco guys? Do you expect them to look in the transfer portal for offensive linemen after the season? Uh, are they, are they in the mix with any highly ranked left tackles? Someone asked. So, just uh, tell us what's going on with the offensive line board right now, Andrew. Uh, well, I mean, I wish I wish I knew. <laughs> um, it, there, that's one position where I, I'm expecting some new names to really emerge. Uh, we've said it on this podcast. I, I just mentioned it. Isaiah Walker, you know, he's going to Florida. I think Miami was kind of holding out hope for him for a while to be the left tackle in this class, and uh, that's not going to happen. So. Who do we know that they're they're absolutely after right now um, and have a chance with? I think the one name that jumps out to me is Marlon Martinez, uh, who is the LSU commit at St. Thomas Aquinas. He attended the Central Michigan game with his girlfriend. He is saying the right things about the Tigers. Um, you know, I think he's the only offensive lineman actually committed to Ed Ordron in the class of 2020 right now. So Miami's going to try to work that home angle with him. Um, try to get him in for an official visit. He hasn't ruled out taking one just yet. Uh, he's already taken his official to LSU, so he's one to keep an eye on. Um, probably an interior guy, which is fine. You know, I, I think everyone thinks right now that Miami's main issue is tackle. That's true, but the interior of the line is also uh, a bit of a mess. I mean, Ja'Kai Clark essentially beat out Zalante Hillary, uh, Kyleon Herbert, um, Cleveland Reed, who's since transferred uh, Tommy Kennedy, Usman Torre. So they need offense line help across the board. So Caden um, Baker is a guy we've mentioned in the past from from Fort Myers. He's a, a, a prototypical tackle. Some guys think like NFL when they see his body. He's taken his official visit to North Carolina. I think in two weeks, Miami seems to be uh, not as not as high on his list as we initially thought. So I don't know. Um, Junior college, I would I would think is an option. There is a kid out there at the junior college le- level, Sebastian Dolsine. He is a former Miramar kid who is now committed to Mississippi State. I think if they were to look for a junior college tackle, he would make a ton of sense. But um, I don't believe the Hurricanes have made contact there just yet. As for the transfer portal, that's always an option, but. It doesn't really seem like offensive linemen are kind of like panning out yeah. via via the transfer portal, right? Um, like right. we saw what happened with Tommy Kennedy. Um, I don't know if you saw this, David, but remember there was a time when Miami was like linked to that one guy, Justin. I think his name is Murphy. He was like a UCLA grad transfer. Right, right. I remember. Well, yeah. he's yeah, he's the one who uh, ended up at Houston and was like tweeting out about all, tweeting out all that stuff about Dana Holgerson. So it just doesn't really seem like. The graduate transfer or that the transfer portal graduate transfer route has really worked out. Right. And offensive line, I mean, you could probably even say that about Juco offensive linemen, too, to be honest. Like, to me, that's kind of a 50 50 proposition at best. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to throw a lot of bodies at it, I think. Do you agree with that? Like, 
Yeah, and Manny said this in his press conference. Was it this week? I don't know. My days are running together. I mean, like, offensive line is the hardest position to evaluate. So I think Miami just needs to, like, volume shoot. I, yeah. I said I think they'll probably take one more offensive lineman, but if I'm them, I'm trying to take two, you know, sign five this cycle. I do like what they have committed. Like, I like Jalen Rivers a lot, probably yes. more of an interior guy. I think Chris Washington's good, but he's good. A guy who's going to need to take some time. Like I, I would even argue, like Chris Washington's probably a better prospect than Zion Elson. It was coming out of high school, but you can't expect him to play right away. Um, and I think Antonio Smith's a solid option on the in, in the in, on the on the interior. Excuse me, but they need to volume shoot and just take as many guys as they can. All right, a couple more questions for you. This is a quick one, I think, from Coach O one o five. Basically, he asks a lot of positions, but the one I want to focus on is. Do you think the staff will be open to taking another running back? My quick answer is no, unless it's Jalen Knighton. Um, right. They have Don like, Chaney, and they're going to call it a class with him, right? Right. And like they just don't have the space right now. Like need, There's more needs elsewhere. Um, so you can blame roster mismanagement or anything like that. But like with Lingard now redshirting, uh, like and Cheney coming in, I don't, I don't think you want to rock the boat there and, and try to go after someone else. But if Jalen Knighton calls and he wants in, then yeah, you take a second running back. And then I think the last question let's hit on this is from Big Gal zero two zero four. I think my favorite. <laughs> I think what the question is getting at is kind of the recruiting protocols that Manny talked about after starting zero and two. Um, you know, just what's your interpretation of, of what he's trying to do with that. Um, is it working, Andrew, or was it kind of just, you know, coach speak, a lot of hot air, so to speak? Uh, like, I guess what I want to ask, is there any substance to it, do you feel like, with with the state of Miami's football program right now? Uh, I'm kind of in, it's too early to tell if this is going to work out like look man he put these rules in place where he basically has said that when we they're trying to create that value with the offer so um you know when they offer a kid they they rather it be a kid who's earned that offer they want it to be a kid who has came in camp for them or someone they've evaluated in person i, I don't think they would just want to blanket offers like they've done in the past and then once a kid commits, they want the kid to commit for the right reasons. They want that kid's parent to be on campus. They don't want them this kid to commit when he's with all his buddies at a junior day. Like they want it to be a known thing that they're committing. Then they're saying, hey, it's fine if you take some visits, but the summer before your senior season, we need to know if you're locked in or not by the end of the summer. Um, and that's right. what they're kind of asking right now. Uh, is there any substance to this so far? Uh, the initial results would say no because it seems like Jaden Francois just just called Manny Diaz out right away. But I do think there are some guys and and guys who have since committed uh, who have committed since the summer who seem to be all on board on this message. Like Brian Balaam's one, Marcus Clark, like they seem to be um, sipping that Kool Aid and, and cool with it. So we'll see. It's still too early to tell. But I do think Miami needed to kind of address, address it. Yeah. What is going on? Like it, it needed to be addressed. And I know it doesn't look good right now, just with the two D commitments, like the Justin Hodges one um, and, and the Jaden Francois one. But we'll see how this plays out. I don't think we're going to have an answer if this is going to work until we get through this season, until we get through the spring and, and the summer. And let's see if Miami um, is, is willing to take as many uh, underclassmen commitments as they have in the past. Like, it's kind of surprising to me that they don't have a 2022 committed by now. Like, I know that might sound a little bit weird, but like, I think in previous years that they, they would have no issue taking these kids. And now it seems like they're right. trying to pump the brakes a little bit more and um, not add that value, but take a step back and, you know, try to operate like some of these other programs. Any other recruiting stuff you want to touch on or you want to get to predicting the Georgia Tech game? No, I mean, like like you said, and I guess I said, like recruiting is it's kind of geared up now. We're two we're two months out. I think there's going to be a lot of different movement. Um, so just stay tuned. Like if you're not subs uh, subscribed to the site already, yeah, you know, try us out for the next two months and, and go through the early signing period and, and see how it goes. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, recruiting can be addicting. Um, you know, we we try and have fun with it. So give us a shot. But yeah, Georgia Tech game, Andrew. 
um, you know, give me your score prediction and and give me give me the two guys on one guy on offense, one guy on defense. You think will have a big big game for the Hurricanes? All right, so I'm going 41 to uh, uh, 17. I think the offense gets going here. Um, we'll see if that happens. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I think the offense gets going just because I don't think Georgia Tech's very good. I think one guy who has the potential to have a monster game, how many snaps he gets, is John Garvin. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, the Yellow Jackets left tackle, Zach Quinney, yeah. is not that good. He's given up like 20 pressures this season and five sacks. So I think they can kind of tee off on him. I don't think uh, GT secondary is that good. So I think Nikosi Perry has a chance to maybe connect on some of those deep shots that he wasn't able to against Virginia, and they kind of open this game up a little bit. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go Miami 31, Georgia Tech 14. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go offense. I'm watching DJ Dallas to have a big game. And on defense, I'm, even though it's a new offense that Miami will be facing this year, it's not the Georgia Tech triple option. Shaq Quarterman, for whatever reason, comes alive against Georgia Tech. So I'm going to say he's going to have a good game this week. I think last week we saw Mike Pinkney come alive uh, against Virginia. I want to see Shaq Quarterman do that this week against Georgia Tech. And I think he can play a big role in helping contain uh, Georgia Tech's quarterback. So, again, 31-14 is kind of what I'm thinking this week for Miami. I think I said, what did I say? 41-17, is that what I said? I don't yes. know. Yes, yes. Okay. I do think if they get up, they're, they're going to try to play some of these uh, younger freshmen just because I don't know how many other games they're going to have a chance to get them in. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to bring a full travel squad to FIU. I mean, they should in theory, but right. uh, the Louisville game doesn't look as easy as it's once been. So guys like Jason Blissett, um, Gerard Harrison Hunt, I think there's like a chance to get those guys in. Yeah, no, that'll be interesting, and that would be great. I personally think it'll be more of like a third-quarter type pull-away game, so I'm not convinced that Miami will have that luxury, but certainly if they do, yes, that would be great for the program and developing those young guys. I guess it just depends. Like, is this team going to be awake? Right. Or are they going to be sleepwalking? And we, we really don't we'll find know. out. Yeah, we'll find out. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Be sure to uh, stay locked to the site, miami.247sports.com. We'll have full coverage um, from the game, pro football focus grades. Uh, David Lake will have uh, probably 10 thoughts after the game. That was a, that was a huge hit after the win over Virginia. Um, we'll also have another instant reaction podcast, uh, recruit visitors list, recruit reactions, just kind of the whole nine yards. So uh, if you have not checked this out, again, miami.247sports.com. Thanks Until for listening. Time.